Welcome to Lat B, the only podcast that comes with a free bandits bonus. Lat B, where MMA and UFC get silly. This is the Lat B Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 208. We're going to Stockholm. You better wake up early if you're over here on the East Coast. Check your local listings because we're going to be starting early in the morning. But before we get into the heavy-duty breakdown we got coming out of Stockholm, Sweden with a whole 13 bouts, we got to go over some housekeeping, find out what's been going on, some of the MMA news because some heaters have dropped. There's been some controversial stuff going, some very rich spiders all of a sudden. But how have you been, Chaney, since we last met? I am doing all right. I had to bring something into you specifically um, ahead of time for our YouTube audience, which is like that one person out there on YouTube (laughs) that's holding tight. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Evil twin. Just wait. Yeah, exactly. Um, But uh, we are going to be going through some stuff today. Hopefully it's a little tighter for all that and uh, you can tune in. But I... I've been addicted to this show called Patrick Melrose. It's a book, and it's a Showtime series. I didn't know what network put it out, but it is that kind of creeps of the kind of stuff we always talk about with, like, oh, everybody's a weirdo. Everybody's a freaking weirdo. It's that kind of next-level creep. Is the season over, or is it actively being... I think they're talking about season two right now. So I think season one's over. It's not a long season, and it's uh, Cumberbatch. Okay, okay. I saw that, that creeps piece. Yeah, so I definitely um I encourage people to watch it. It's like heavy shiata. It's heavy shit. But I I stayed up way too late last night just watching not good dreams either. Oh not no. I like those kind of shows, so I'm definitely gonna take a sneak peek at it. But you I specifically, been... I was almost texting you, I'm like, it's late AF. <laughs> I started the night before, but then I got deep enough where I'm like, oh, this show is good. Patrick Melrose, highly recommend. Definitely. I have been catching up on podcasts. It's just been MMA stuff and then a lot of tape study. We got a lot of debuting fighters. I had to go back deep into the vaults of YouTube and or other streaming sites to be able to watch some of those fights. So good amount of studying, but hey. A week off makes the heart grow fonder, and I was ready to break down fights. How one week, I'm just like, oh. I know, me too. We were like, oh, I have a little fight fatigue. I'm not. I'm taking it for granted. I don't. It's like, oh, take it for granted. They could just go eight days without fights. I don't need a full two weeks. Exactly. Thank you very <laughs> I don't need much. A full two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely. Um, I was thirsty. I was like that thirsty girl looking for some MMA material for sure. So, um, yeah, MMA news, uh, this is something you brought to my attention yesterday, which, good on him, good on him. Yo Romero becoming one of the richest active fighters, Conor McGregor being the only other rival in there, but recently being awarded $27.45 million in his lawsuit against the company that gave him tainted supplements, which in turn uh, docked him... Uh, certain pay or m- amount of time to fight. So in his lawsuit, Yo Romero claimed that he was not able to fight for X amount of time due to this supplement company. So he lost uh, $3 million in um, fights, potentially, $3 million in advertising, and then $3 million he asked for in pain and suffering for that time. And the New Jersey court 
ended up honoring that. And due to the laws out of New Jersey, they compounded that threefold to come out with the settlement because of the defamation and certain uh, restrictions that come out of New Jersey. So, Yo Romero getting a good... We were actually recently talking about the other promoters and Ali Abdelaziz mm -hmm. being one of those guys. Who's Yo Romero's manager? He's doing right by fighters. I almost think that Ali hate is like old hat. Well, but what I'm saying is that I told you the other promoters were the Kawa brothers. Abraham oh. Kawa. Oh, so you got a little chip, little chip it. Little so chip it. Uh, over here, E, knowing what he's talking about with these managers, because we don't hear about the Kawa brothers much, but when we do, they're cutting fat-ass checks for their fighters. So do you think we see Yoel fight again? I don't know. I don't think That's we do. Question, I don't. Th right? I don't think we do. Unless he fights for the belt, there's no reason for him to come back. But we say that and about there Connor. There really is no one left for him to fight. Agreed. What are we going to see him fight Bobby Knuckles again? Unless time. we see him fight Israel Adesanya, which they'd have to pay him a pretty heavy chunk. I don't more than twenty four million. I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, or maybe not his whole nest egg, but at least in the six figures. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, still. Yeah. I. Um, do you think he comes back? No. I agree. I, I don't, don't think know he does. if there's any reason to. He has nothing left to prove, and he's kind of fought every big name. So, yeah, I would like him to. I hope he does. I totally agree. One of the funnest fighters ever, but at 40 years old with neck injuries, well, just a lifetime of fighting, I, he's got it. He got what he wanted. I mean, you want that belt, yes, but $24 million really helps out <laughs> that empty hole you have. Yeah, Brock Lesnar. That's it, what it seems like, that Brock Lesnar money. You just made that problem. You just got that GSP money. You just got that, uh, what was that shoe company? You got that Under Armour deal. You got that John got Jones that deal. Under Armour deal. John Jones got 90 million. I don't know if it's full Nike, but you got that Under Armour deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so did you watch Michelle Watterson on JRE? I have not been able to catch up on that. I did recently see that it's there and it's uh, in my queue. And I won't probably watch that. I'll end up listening to it. Oh, yeah. Either way, if you watch it on YouTube or listen to it on whatever way you get your podcast. Uh, Fill me in. I love Watterson I, talk. I was just talking about Michelle Watterson. Michelle Watterson, in my opinion, she's a lot more thug than she gets credit for. She was all doing smokers. She's been fighting with cowboys since way back in the day. I had no idea. It was really fun listening to her talk. She, everywhere that... I would criticize, like, a shitty old fight Siskel and Ebert, like, over here, like, the Penguin, everywhere I'd criticize. She already knows she needs to work on those things, and she's... Open about it. ...funny, and she's in the right camp, and she's with the right people, and I really like what I heard from her, and it was a fun conversation between her and Joe. Uh, she's been... She went to, like, Muay Thai yep. overseas and fought like that with her karate style, where she was like, I swear, I'm a black belt in karate. <laughs> It was fun. It That's was, awesome. Yeah, and Definitely. it doesn't go too long. It yeah. Is it one of his now MMA shows? Officially, I think so. because like we were asking for it. Something. Right. We I remember for years asking for it and finally being like, he's not gonna do it because he's like, oh, I talk enough about it, but oh, dude, super niche field that you are officially the king of not only podcasts but MMA specifically. Like she wants to be the mom champ. Uh, yes, that she's been championing that for a while now. Being the mom champ, and she lives it. I mean, she does a good job. We've talked about it yeah. before. That's why she's all the way around just a sexy <laughs> so individual. Like, even, like, little funny things where she... I don't even remember the circumstances, but let's just say, like, oh, they only have a fight here for 125ers, and Cowboy would look at her and be like, fuck it. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> fight advice from Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, you should know what the answer is every time. I loved it. I okay. loved it. It was, it was, I didn't know any of it. It was news to me. That's so fun. I recommend it to anyone who um, maybe got on UFC after 2010. It seems like it's like uh, good fight stories. I thought of the thing that I couldn't think of, of things to watch. Oh, yes, please. Renato Rolanja, 27 world time champ. You know, Vinny Magalhaes is number one. Rival has brought his podcast back and he was interviewing Khalil Roundtree in Thailand. That was actually a great listen. Henato Delanja, we've said it. He's a mockery like he makes, he's very sarcastic and just uh, plays a role, a skit in his fake Brazilianness. But uh, Roundtree knows and I feel like the guests now understand it. So it's not as awkward because. Khalil deferred to him when he went into his boisterous, like, oh, my cinnamon skin and all of that talk. And, oh, you know, you a fat guy with uh, dreads and nobody like you. And, you know, look where you are now. And he's so blunt about it. But uh, now that people understand what they're in for, it makes for a fun interview because it is he bears it down in an assholey way. That guy's get it. He's just like, oh, he's being a dick and he's asking him to his face. And it's like, oh, that's his He's stick. like, um, who's homeboy that was in like the Madonna video in 2000 that also had all the, the HBO show and the movies now. Richard Grigo? No, he had Borat <laughs> and shit. Oh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of like that. Yes. Or like a, yes. like a tongue-in-cheek guy that, or a Jiminy Glick. Remember when, like, way back when... He's like the dog with the cigar. Yeah, you just have to be in on the joke, otherwise you're going to get pissed. Exactly, and it's the Valley Tudo Hour with Renato Lancha, 27 World Time Champion. Mundial Champion. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Getting into the ridiculous, Uriah Faber's officially coming back into the UFC, getting a fight with Ricky Simone. Gonna get down in the ring. How do you feel about this 40-year-old coming back? Alpha male. Can't keep his name out of the... Or his hat out in of the... In a way, it's the right fight. It's like it was either gonna be him or homeboy that just... That submitted No, the guy that submitted mm. me to GFN. Oh, Ryan Hong? Yeah. It yeah. was. It's like that nature they're gonna give him. They're gonna give Uriah those kind of fights. And I, frankly... I don't know. There's guys in the UFC that Uriah can beat, but I'm not really... Who do you have in this fight right now? Simone. Easily. Just Uriah is doing a lot of other things, which he always has been, but he's one of those old, older dogs in the sport. He was older back then, had a long career, and um, I think he's going to be surprised even with Simone's limited supposed limited aspect uh he can just pull the trigger a lot faster than favor at this point in favor's career in my point of view but you know tj was at alpha male for a while and they learned some stuff there so i've heard i oh i don't know (laughs) i knew he was gonna come back i would like to see something more like you were saying before like a chad mendez uh tj dillashaw some kind of fight that makes it Oh, you! I don't think he'd fight Chad Mendes, though. Not Chad, because he's still okay. at the same camp. Right. But maybe like a TJ, somebody with a story. Like, you know, build up the story of Uriah, let him fight Dom again. Right. At this point, it's like, uh, yeah, that this would is actually a weird be, fight. This is a really weird, weird fight. fight. Weird fight, but hey, it's winnable for either guy, maybe. Um, you know what would be cool? If uh, Uriah Faber cuts his hair into a mullet. Mm. 
before yeah, the fight. There's quite a few guys that have done that though. Before they fight Ricky Simone. Oh no, not before. Because you know Ricky Simone well, got that perfect mullet. He does have a really good <laughs> so mullet. We've talked about it before. Favor. I know guys have fought with mullets before, yep. but I just mean usually Uriah has some longer hair, True. so it'd be kind of funny if they had a mullet, kind of. So you hear me, Uriah Faber? Get that mullet quit. I like it. I think we should petition for that, if anything. Yeah. Get a mullet. Other bout, Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway, officially July 27th, Saturday. Man, we got a fun bunch of fights coming up in June and July. It caps Are off you excited about that. this fight? No. I feel like it's too dangerous for Frankie Edgar. I don't. But it's what we were saying already before with Frankie. It's just he's been off a year and a half, and he lost his last fight to get this, where Volkanovski just beat it. Aldo, and both of those guys have fought a lot more. Then again, Volkanovski did have that foot infection, and he needs a little more time to rest from that, so... And Frankie does deserve it. Everyone always is like, Frankie always gets passed over. Like, it, it's always bad timing. Um, yeah, and then he got it and then fell out, so... Yeah, we'll see if it gets there. We'll see. Are like, you probably. excited for it? No. Exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> it seems mean. I feel a little mean about it. And I love Max. It just seems really dangerous for Frankie. It doesn't seem like... Like, I wouldn't let it pass. Right. <laughs> Speaking of not letting it pass. No, is this a hot or not new segment we got new here segment. at Let Me? When it deems for it, we're going to have to have some hot takes, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, Jessica Andrade has graced us with the nude photo shoot of the belt not unique we have seen many champions be nude but andros just has a way about some of her photography for photography and you got a loss for words woo, it got me i turned over i saw that cheek and i don't know um jessica andros is really filling up to her name androgynous in this section because i don't know how i feel i love everybody in the ufc I like all nude photos. Even, hey, Derek Lewis had a good nude shoot. Yeah. So, it just falls in a really weird spot for me because it's such a bad photo. And that's what I have bad It's not done, with. right? Exactly. So, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, Jessica Andraj is on uh, her IG. And she posted um, a picture of her, like, holding the belt, like, catty corner from her shoulder down through her vagina so it covers up her teats and her hoo-ha. Um, I just don't like the placement. I like, feel like she has a killer body. Yep. Um, I almost feel like she could have stood backward and let her whole ass out. Like, she has a killer body. I feel like the placement just feels uncomfortable. Like, it feels forced or something. It's trying to cover too much. That's ex So, this is exactly why. Because I showed the lady of the house and was like, how do you feel about this? And she's like, well, why she doesn't she do deserve to be sexy or be thought of that way? And I'm like, that's fine. I agree with that. Like, she still is an attractive person. On any spectrum, I think she's a cute yeah, boy. Yeah, she's a yeah, she's a cute little like person. Whatever her whatever way she feels like Lady, identifying. Yep, she's cute for that. I agree with that, and I'm I was saying that it's just a photo. It's a bad photo to me. It looks like this is about to be a bang bush shoot, and they're about to walk into the next room and be like, "You're on," and the cameras pull out because I've seen that wallpaper at Motel Six is where they shoot these movies, and I'm just like. Is it reminiscent? Remember that picture of Rhonda with her belt? But that was well done. That was because good. Because it had lady. a photographer. It exactly. wasn't like in the shower at the Y. It wasn't a guy. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't a guy on a cell phone. Like, yeah, yeah, you're 18, right? You're 18, right? Oh, sign these documents. It looks like it does. Kind of have a little bit of that vibe. It makes me feel like it's a little um, 
snuff. Like it feels snuffy. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I don't like about it. That it makes me go into that Hashtag aspect. no hate. Not at all. Not at all. Beautiful person. I'm glad she has the belt. I love that she's giving uh, Rose the first shot if she wants it back in America. So as far as Andrade's been doing, the weakest part of her game oh. has been her photo shoots. Yeah, oh, this we probably should have had a thing in between. It just jumps right into it. Interesting. But hey, that's all. I guess that's all we had to talk about. Uh, that is all we had to talk about because we do have a 13 card bout coming out of Stockholm, Sweden, 10 a.m. for the East Coasters. Check your local listings wherever you're going to be at. It's going to be 13 card bouts topping off with Gustafsson at 205 verse. I can't even think of his damn name all of a sudden. <laughs> Alex White, no. The main eventer, Anthony Smith. Oh, oh just generic. <laughs> I feel like we had, had a hard time with Anthony Smith's name the whole time. Right, right, right. So uh, the 13, you know how we like to do it here. We always start from the bottom all the way to the top. If you want to get any free bets, other little tidbits of information we get out as the week goes along, uh, be sure to follow at Zoltanite, at Weekneck Baby, at Lesbo and the Bean, wherever you can on Instagram. Or on the IG, it's L-A-T-B underscore M-M-A, I think. But our IG is getting... You guys, you're missing out. I'm telling you. You're missing out. And I'm going to put up all these pictures that are on the TV on our Instagram. So you'll be able to check them all out and uh, hashtag try it out. Definitely try it out. out. Definitely, definitely try it out. So as we go here traditionally from the bottom to the... last minute, I never knew this. Wasn't about added last minute on this? Yeah, within like Very last minute. Yeah, within like a day and a half ago okay. two days ago so yeah definitely have I to do some tape study that. i hope they have that gift we'll up. roll with the yeah. punches on that one for sure at 155 pounds we have danilo bernardo versus joel alvarez the debuting fighters coming in against hoel out of España, we saw him lose his debut at 15-2 and two in the UFC. Alvarez is a wrestler by trade out of Spain. I remember not having a specifically good breakdown of him initially, and nothing in the UFC showed me otherwise. Again, his debut coming in against uh, what level of opponent in Demir Gulov, who is a high prospect who's really not shown out as far as DraftKings or just uh, really dominated. It was a 30-27 fight, but... It looked like Alvarez could have got finished at times in there. Young man has heart, but all the way around, he's semi-serviceable. Not that good of takedown defense. Demir really ended up exploiting that. And striking is a bit slow and looping. So he's just kind of a guy who's going to have a couple fights, maybe be on a knockout reel or two. I just haven't seen the progression. But at 26 years old, with his debut out of the way, this is where we see the biggest leaps and jumps, all of a sudden he could be over at top team. Um, I did not get his specific camp. So I he don't know Brian if he's in He could Moy Cano. Exactly. Like all those guys just shoot out all of a sudden and then they're like uh, links above their, you know, c- opponents. Right, 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 right. But um, he's definitely got the toughness to be in there, not being finished in his last fight. The debuting 12 and 3 fighter coming out of. Italy, Dinalo, what's his nickname? Carpentilla? Carter, Caterpillar is. <laughs> He's uh, at, in the same boat as Alvarez. Little looping on his punches, has power. His wrestling is serviceable, but against his opponents, being eight and six, seven and seven, he has a couple finishes in there, and it's just with his athleticism. It's him just pushing his punches and being able to throw out three and four punch combinations. But 
he gasses pretty hard as well. I think both of these guys, the further this fight gets, just the sloppier it turns into, and it turns into a decision. I do think, though, slightly, Danilo um, has had a little bit better competition level, even though uh, Alvarez has a fight in the UFC. The fights before that, Alvarez just had... Both of these guys were fighting taxi cab drivers, but uh, Berlard, Ber, Delilo, Caterpillar here, freaking uh, does have a couple guys with semi-okay records. So I think this turns into a slop fest. This is a big fat stay away for a reason. They're doing it to us again, and I'm not going to pick either one of these fighters in either spot. I guess the likelier finish for me would be the Caterpillar, Danalo, Danalio, to win the fight. As an underdog, it is near even. I think this is going to go coin flip, but definitely no much, not much action at all for me. What do you take away in this one? I think this is a traditional lap B hashtag stay away. You know, I was, do you think it would be silly if I put both of our picks up afterward and then put it on Instagram? Or do you wanna not? No, I like yeah. that. I like that, and even the round because our as our breakdown goes down, we'll I'll change rounds and we'll be picking stuff live on the air, so it can be the. I official. can get our cards out earlier now that this is is done. Definitely, I don't even need to wait for the UFC card. Oh, perfect. Uh, but I think this is the traditional lappy stay away. Um, I have it going the other way uh, by decision, so that even makes it more as a stay away. So. If it's a traditional stay away for me and I have it going the other way and you have it going one way, I think it's a dogger pass situation if you're going to do it at all. So I um, totally agree with that. And on DraftKings, you're going to end up paying 8500 for the returning Alvarez against debuting Danalo Caterpillars, 7700 on DraftKings. And as I was a, kind of alluding to a bit, out of the two to get a finish, I do think it's the underdog. So DraftKings-wise, he's going to be the guy to score who has a bit a bit higher ceiling. But again, I'm going to go ultra-low owned, if not at all. Do yourself a favor. Do yeah. yourself a favor, not at all. So moving on to 205 pounds, we have Devin Clark coming in against returning Draco Stokic. Stokic coming in with a 13-1 record, winning his debut in the UFC out of Serbia. He beat Jeremy Kimball in a fast uh, what was it, like, minute-to-minute minute knockout, ground and pound? Stokic, does he have a nickname here? Draco? Um, is very looping, very powerful fighter. Okay movement, uh, but he does stand in front of his opponents, and he'll throw two and three punch combinations and swarm on you when he really has you hurt. He has a good killer instinct, but... He really likes to get old men out of there early because his record's a bit padded once you start to look into it as well. He definitely has many opponents with losing records and just the scene he was fighting out of wasn't anything to be super hailed at. He did have a couple good wins, but 9 and 15 fighters, 34 and 12, 34 and 13. When you still look at the actual guys in there, um, these are guys in their 40s type of late 30s fighters. And... The young man Stochic comes out like a bulldog. He likes that he actually has a really hard left hook and he throws it with power. It stuns a lot of fighters and then he's able to just land looping uppercuts, looping shots because most people he fights he's fought a lot in um rings as well. I don't know if that plays a role, but the cage will change it as far as takedowns and fence control. He didn't need to show much of his last game in against Kimball because Kimball's on 
out of here. Guy who just never really won, I think won one, lost four in a row, something like that. So Kimball just really not dedicated. And Devin Clark is in that teetering frame for me. He has okay showings and then has horrible showings against caliber fighters. So losing a Jan Blockowitz isn't that bad. The eight or nine and six, nine and three fighters lost twice in the UFC. Last to Rakic, which you are big, he been heavy on. You changed my mind on Rakic, who we're going to see later. But he does have some quality wins over Mike Rodriguez, where he was an underdog. He's beat Josh Stansberry, who's no longer in the UFC. Jake Collier, no longer there anymore. But constant problems we see with Devin Clark is gas tank issues. Gas tank, gas tank, gas tank issues. He fades really hard in that third round. He He's held on and been better into the second. He has okay boxing, a good jab, uh, good wrestling, good takedown defense, and actually has better takedowns than credited for. Uh, he likes to implement his wrestling game and has really done that as of late. He, in his wins, even in his losses, he hasn't tried to strike with people. Devin Clark has really fallen back on his wrestling and it's been working out. It doesn't make for a fun fight, but what always keeps his opponent in the game is that Devin Clark's chins may be a bit iffy on top, on compounded on a weak gas tank. He just looks like he's losing a fight all of a sudden dramatically and that'll always make it dicey in there. But I do think that the competition level has been so much higher for Devin Clark, and I haven't liked his cardio issues at all. It just doesn't look like he's fixing it. But against Stochic, I see a guy who's not tested at all either, and we haven't seen any of his long fights. Go look back at his other fights. Most of them are finishes, and it's always in the first round. One or two have gone in the second, and he finishes it quick because he knows he's breathing hard. So I think as soon as I think Devin Clark goes out there, doesn't try to strike, Shoots a couple of those takedowns. He has above 40% takedown against high-level wrestlers in there. So I don't think Stochic is going to be much of a hard. It's going to be hard at, at all. If we get to a third round, it's going to be dicey. I got Devin Clark actually winning this in the second or third round via wow. TKO. Give me an underdog. It's not the first of the night. It ain't going to be last. Wow. We got an underdog, Devin Clark. I think the veteranship comes through. I don't like betting on Devin Clark. I don't think it's a. It's probably not going to be a free play because he just can't trust him. But I do think he beats the the younger fighter here. Who do you have and why? Devin Clark lets you down more than the three legged horse. At the <laughs> it's true. He is. It's he is true. Last jawed, and I think Stosic's heavy handed. So if he just comes out in a flurry, all he has to do, in my opinion, is catch him one time in the first, and I think he's gonna. I don't want to go too heavy on this play because I do like to stick with what I know, which is Devin Clark a little more here, but he always just lets me down. Don't let me down. I'm not picking Devin Clark. So Stosic, not too heavy. Maybe. 25%, uh, but I'm going the other way on this. I just don't trust Devin Clark anymore, but I think I went with him last time, and I'm like, no, yep. never again. And I talked you out of it, or I tried to, I feel like, because I'm like, that. this Devin Clark, he taps to these certain um, chokes or not, but again, Rakic, definitely way better than Stokic. I like what you're saying, though, with that chin. Devin Clark's this type of fighter Sketch. that will shit Sketch. in bed all of a sudden, but then he'll Come out here and maybe win TKO round number three if you're following E, supposedly. he Round number three, the guy with the worst cardio. 
Maybe, okay, I had to. I said, okay, I think he finishes in the two then. Oh my gosh, (laughs) if this fight goes past halfway through the second round, boring fight, it's going to be so boring. Oh, garbage fight. Totally, totally, totally. But the guy that probably has more power at that last burst is going to be Stochich. On DraftKings, for 8,700 for Stochich against 7,500 underdog plus 135. Clark, I think I'm going to put Stochich... On 20%, Devin Clark on 10. Because I think that there could be a finish here just because they're both so bad at cardio. If one of them is like, oh, he's weak, boom, boom, boom. I'm putting Devin Clark nowhere. Okay. And then I'll have Stochis on a few because it, it, I do see a finish. Oh, man. If it's not a finish for either guy, though, they, they're they less than 30 points. Oh, for sure. Oh. For sure. It's 27.5 points. For sure. It's going to be painful. <laughs> So, that's a greasy-ass fight. Greasy fight. It is. It is. Moving on but to... But it ain't the greasiest. No, not at all. Moving on to one of those d- d- dreaded d- 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 double debuts. Not going to be the last of the night. We have a 145-pound bout with a fighter that is officially 1-0 and lost her fight in the Contender Series to uh, Lena Lenton via... Or Bea... Bay. Maleki is fighting out of the Swedish scene. She was in that one of those houses, but either way, she's a Muay Thai fighter. I actually was able to find more of her Muay Thai fights than uh, I did watch that Contender Series fight, and she mainly tried to use her uh, Muay Thai to stay in the fight, but that's what she comes with. Minimal takedown defense, if any at all, on the ground. Getting better, but she's on that white... Belt, maybe a blue belt moving in there after months, but very, very weak. And is just somebody who's 27 and at 145 pounds. If you're a big lady, they're like, hey, she's had a fight or two. She'll at least won't look like um, some of these one fighters, some of these other guys. She's not going to look like a total can in there. She'll put up a fight, but I don't just don't see her winning too many fights in the UFC. At 27, she could grow, but she's coming in against a 3-0 fighter in Duda Santana. Santana has won her three fights. Decision, one finish via TKO, and is coming out of the Tata fight team with Cowboy Oliveira, the Brazilian fighter. I who I've seen her standing with in pictures, and that's who it is, yes. So... She's, uh, has that been confirmed or denied? It was denied officially by Oliveira, but has that been confirmed that he's on the run? Team and I haven't seen anything else about it. Oliveira himself supposedly came out and said he's not on the run. So if he came out, I means he's not running from the cops, I'd assume. Yeah, probably. If taking pictures with her, otherwise <laughs> she's an accomplice. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so Santana is... Also, a striker in there, I really didn't see too much of her ground game in any of her fights other than she can frame off all right and that she actually uh, frames well to the clavicle and throws a piston of her right hand. But we don't need to worry about that with Bay Malecki. Malecki doesn't shoot takedowns. She really wants to be a Shevchenko, Antonio Shevchenko type of fighter. That's probably a good mixture of the type of fighter she is in there. Fairly low output, not tons of power. She'll teep you and throw little punches, some elbows, but... One and two punch combinations. And Santana does a lot of the same stuff. Um, but again, she has, I don't want to say it's uh, Amanda Nunes, but that right hand, she throws it like Amanda Nunes. Not the type of power, even though that's what got her her finish. Uh, but if it lands right, she can knock women out. She just has that uh, motion about her. And she'll actually throw a really good jab to a, 
if she she'll also frame off of that uh, jab to a right down the middle that lands hard, and then she'll hit some knees. She'll throw some good intercepting knees that have hurt quite a bit of her opponents. But she fights like uh, Oliveira. She doesn't want to go to the ground, and she's been doing well. I think this stays standing. I have Santana winning a decision out of the two. I see the finish coming for Santana. So maybe I'd pick her, but this is low fight. Low fight IQ for both ladies. I don't like from what I saw from tape. I think at 45, they're going to stay in here because there's not many other women, but that's the only reason. I, I If this was any other division, they wouldn't be fighting. What did you end up taking away from that? Um, I am. It would be disrespectful for me to even throw in an opinion. I'm going to pick Santana by decision, just by camp alone and record. Uh, and I'm going to stay far, far away from this fight. I think... It might be a finish. I have Santana decision. It may be a finish, but I think it's in. It's gonna be a low output fight. And um, yeah, I agree with you. One forty five is a desperate division. So this is a big with thirteen cards. This will be nowhere. I'll stay away. I actually think I could play at eight thousand six hundred. The favorite in Santana against Maleki, just because I see the finish out of the two. That right hand for Duda lands pretty eight, well. Six though. 8-6 is for a debuter. You're right. Probably 10 to 5%. Do I even throw 5%? 5% do the... Stay away. That's, a, <laughs> that's probably the safest bet <laughs> that you can play on that one. Um, maybe I'll put a prop bet for sure on Duda inside the distance or TKO because that's going to be worth plus it, money. It might be, yeah. Yeah, if other people don't see that coming down the way. So, on to 155 pounds. We have two returning fighters in Nick Hine versus Frank Camacho. This is definitely a fun one. We have the German fighter in Hine having a 14-4 record, really only losing in the UFC. His last two fights coming in losses to Damir Adzovic, split decision where he was a favorite, and also losing to Davi Ramos, submission, rear naked choke, but that doesn't look that bad all of a sudden. Camacho coming in with a 21-7 record, losing a few in the UFC now to Jin Liang decision. He's rattled off a win or two, though, against... Uh, did you already call this an LLT? Did you already say this is a loser leaves town? I did not. Do you think so, though, it, at 155 pounds? It is stacked. It's a stack. It's a stacked if, if division. If a division stacked, it's this division. I don't know if I can see Camacho. But if Elias taught us anything, it's not a win-lose record. It's how Great exciting point. you are. Yeah. And that's where I was going to say, I feel like if there is... It's Hine, not Camacho, because Camacho will go out on a shield, as we saw against Joffrey Neal. He went, slapped his face, and was like, I'm getting bit apart. Whatever, Super Saiyan. And then he got, pink drop with that head kick. So I think Camacho is one of these guys that can get four losses in a row. But if he uh, goes out on his shield, they're like, hey, we're going to have you on promos for the rest of your la career. So whatever. But Camacho getting a loss in there against Drew Drober decision. And then, as I was saying, Neil got him eight months ago with that devastating shot where he was getting picked apart. Camacho is a striker who can be outstruck. He tends to brawl a little bit more on the ground. He has okay tape down the fence. Haven't seen much of his ground game. Um, we did see Jin Liang really stifle him Um to that decision and so did Dober and that was due to the lack of takedown defense or just the lack of ability of Camacho being able to get back up on his feet. He's a Robbie Lawler without the takedown defense. Um, he can get a bit looping but he throws heavy heavy punches. So Nick Hine comes in with much more of a well he's a judo black belt but he does have a good jab. 
throws it up with a good three-punch combination, good cardio, a lot, very Sean Shirkish in there. Likes to keep it standing, has used his judo at times to get to the ground, but once Hein gets you to the ground, he really just stays in side control. He doesn't really try to submit you. He goes over for that position over submission, and he tends to decision you more than anything. So I think Camacho's rested enough as far as that chin. I think that uh, if we're going, do you think the judges here and being the local, more local favorite, if you got, I'm going to say, somebody who looks a little more different in Camacho compared to Hein, I think that this could be a turn into a dirty, dirty split. But I do think Camacho could potentially just uh, wear it better and push the pressure a little bit. And it goes 29-28. But I do think the crowd could play a role here. I'm going to go Camacho, sturdy-ass split decision. I'm going to probably end up being low-owned on this one because I do see a decision. I don't see either guy really getting the better of each other in this. Just shaking hands and parting ways. Who do you have in this fight and why? I like your dirty ass split. I even think this could be if we ever had a pick that was like draw of the night. I think this has the most potential of being a draw. You usually get those 75 plus odds or 95 plus dependent. So this fight could be really close, really bloody, go either way. We could even think Camacho won the fight, but Hein be more of the local kind mm. of thing. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's a hella close fight. I think it's going to be really entertaining um Nick Hine decision I I really I think Frank Camacho is going to be uh it's going to come to the cardio and I think that's where he comes out with so much power right away that it's just unfortunate no one can keep that up for that long of a time and Nick Hine's just a better grinder uh I don't know if I'll have this too many places though I picture it being a grind with a lot of heavy blows more than amount of blows what is their cost? Their cost on DraftKings is going to be 8200 for Hein against 8000 for Camacho. Everybody seeing oh, yeah. being a dirty-ass split. Maybe we just need to have the dirty split graphic. Like, this one's a dirty split. This one's the dirty <laughs> split. You know, um, there's probably an old album or an old something like, uh, what's that? porn star with the really jeremy ron jeremy ron jeremy or something like bent over with like a hairy ass crack (laughs) exactly dirty that yeah boom stamp stay well decide what end but at 8200 for a decision these guys average hein is 43 points camacho 60 points so really not going to pay off that 8000 either way I'm going to probably end up staying away from this one. I don't know. This might Sometimes you need these middle cards, and it's kind of funny that it's so close and we see it being so close. And then, it's yeah, it's almost hard. It's It won't be on the winner. It won't be on the winning card regardless of what way it goes. That's what I totally think. At 155 pounds, we're going to be profiling quite a few bouts, and another one is going to be Stevie Ray coming against... Laredo Santos. Santos is 16 and 3 on a four-fight winning streak, but he is spotty at best, fighting every couple years. I think he's coming off of about a two-year layoff. A three yeah, two-year, seven-month layoff against that Adriano Martins. He has wins in there um, against Rocco Martin, against Kevin Lee, Escudero. He fought these guys early on in their careers and was able to beat them, but it's been a long time. He did get a, one of the most egregious split decisions of all time against Norman Park in there as well, but Santos has been perfect, I feel like, in the UFC. At 39 years old, he's one of the most tenured 55 years old, if not most tenured, right? Who, or I guess oldest, 
not tenured because I think that goes to Jim Miller, who's also one of the oldest guys. But either way, Santos um, has some okay judo throws. I had to go back in a tape. Good jab, uh, heavy right hand, but he really just throws them in and one and two punch combinations. Uh, gets into one punches. On the ground, he's really good, um, but he is one of these guys that will give up a takedown. Can't give up control and uh, I want to say is lucky, but I can't really say that because if you throw a punch or you throw out a submission, that's what you're intended to do, but he's had better breaks than most fighters. I feel like one of the submissions was a one of a fake tap or a tap that was not necessarily there. So Santos can be a little greasy in there, but I don't know what we're going to see from him. We are also in Sweden. Usada ain't going to be there. Brazilian's going to be doing Brazilian stuff. So there's been hints. That is something Michelle Watterson brought up on Joe Rogan. Oh, really? She actually said, does because he was talking about, like, I love Asada and blah, blah, blah. And then they were talking about water in one. And she goes, but is there Asada in other countries? Are they as strict? And it's so, we talk about United it all States the time doping. here. Yeah, so. And Joe Rogan actually said that. I guess you're right. It is called the U.S. Anti-Doping Association. Yeah, so if you're in England, they ain't got one. They're just like, do whatever you want, homeboy. Or where are we going to be at? Sweden, I mean. Yeah. They're neutral. They don't give a shit what you do. They never care. They <laughs> exactly. make a good watch, and they never care. Yep, exactly. Um, and also, um, it, apparently they have a really nice captors. Like, if you're going to be capped, held captive by somewhere, oh, okay. you want to be held captive by a Swede. Interesting. Because okay. apparently you'll discover such a love affair for him that they'll call it Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> Interesting. That was a reach. That was, that was, a, reach. That was a good one. That I know a for reach. a fact, though, that their prisons are uh, semi-optional. Like, there's a limit of time that you can be in prison there, and then you can choose to stay or not. And, oh, their prisons are like a compound where you get your own tiny home. Huh. Yeah, different. They choose to actually rehabilitate their criminals. Maybe I moved to Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not a bad idea. But uh, either way, the more local favorite would be Stevie Ray out of the two, being the Scottish fighter with a 22-8 and record, getting a win in there finally. We're going to have someone type us like, the Swedes hate the Scots, you dum-dums. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie Ray finally getting a win in there against the Yari, I believe uh, a young fighter in there. But losing a K. John Johnson in a split decision, also losing a Paul Felder in a TKO. Stevie Ray beat people like Lozon and has actually had a beating Pearson in a controversial split decision as well. Um, Ray, jack of all trades, master none, actually has a... Decent double leg. Good wrestling out of Scotland. Uh, wherever he's been training out of, it just shows he's actually a serviceable wrestler and uses it well. His striking can get him into trouble at times. Um, but a uh, fighter like Santos, he's more of that one-punch type of fighter. And I feel like Stevie Ray has serviceable enough boxing to not let that shot. The hard thing in this fight for me is Santos, if you go off of his last fights, he was beating really good guys. So it, the last memories we have of him are really, really good. But he's been on a long layoff. The fact that he, there is no USADA also weighs into this. But the better fighter at the time, the guy I've seen more in there and I can trust more is Stevie Ray. He's a big underdog here, and there's reasons for it. On the ground, a lot of people think that once Stevie Ray gets there, Santos is going to be able to wrap him up in all sorts of positions. And yeah, he potentially can. Uh, Joe Lozon wasn't able to do it, but Santos has that 
where he will put 100% of energy into a move. And if it doesn't work, he's screwed. So far, it's worked for him. Eventually, it might not anymore. But uh, I think that Stevie Ray can more win on points and turn this into a boring decision type of a fight. He can use his takedown defense uh, to keep it where he wants to because he does have an advantage, I feel like, striking it in the boxing. And Santos has bad entries on his shots two years ago, let alone now, where he's fighting just a general, younger, better crowd. Give me the huge underdog. I told you it ain't the last one. And we got more on the way. Be sure to be following Zold tonight. They're coming. Stevie Ray, decision. Who do you have in this fight and why? I feel like this, I don't want to preemptively say that this could be the bandit's bonus of the night, but I have Stevie Ray decision too. I think the line's way off here. You know how I hate when somebody's out for over two years. We don't even like to look at their record if it's older than two years. The game has changed so much. You know what happened when um, Santos left? Ronda Rousey was the champ. (laughs) 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 I'm just saying, I don't really know that's being shit, but Stevie Ray, um, there was a time I was hating on him, and then he came out and he changed his game plan around a little bit uh, and didn't put himself in such uh, shit situations. He's gone up... Yeah, he's beating guys when you look at it like Joe Lozon and Ross Pearson. But no offense to Leonardo Santos. He's kind of of those caliber guys to me. He's losing to guys like Paul Felder, who I think is top echelon. And everyone, Cajun gets hate, but he... He got cut for political views, not because of his ability. Or uh, his he's record. a turn and runner. I know. Yeah, uh, nowadays. Nowadays. Well, not right? anymore. He yeah. ain't in the UFC yeah, no more. <laughs> but he he was looking good in this fight. Sure. Um, so I too have Stevie Ray, and I think it's going to be a tight decision. It could be as tight as the split we were just talking about. But I like everything you're saying here. I don't want to say it ahead of time, but I just think it should be in that we both agree. I. You can't come in here with that kind of old-ass record. Who do you think you are, Definitely. Dominic Cruz? But, well, let's see weigh-ins. If this guy's got 28 abs on his freaking belly, then we're like, ugh, we'll or let you know. Or if Stevie Ray looks like Jack the Pumpkin King just hanging on by a thread, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Or if Stevie Ray touches him first that way. Oh, really? We're going to keep that one? Well, no, I get voodoo up in here. Well, I well, voodoo. You'll have to be on that Twitter. But you're going to end up paying 9200 for Leonardo Santos against Stevie Ray's 7000 even on DraftKings. I'm going to put Stevie Ray, but... I think it's a decision win still. So that's low output on an average of 57 points on DraftKings for Stevie Ray. He's going to... He's going to be more valuable than the other underdog so far if he comes out, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, and for that price, you can put a whole bunch of heavy hitters on. Right now, right now, he's in the little basket. It's giving off to grandmas. You put him in there. You pick him and you're like... I'll throw him down if I find something better. Definitely. But you put him on. But he is one of those guys that's going to definitely give you options. Moving on to 135 pounds, we have... A number two type of a fight with Tanya Eminger coming in against Lena Landsberg at 135 pounds. Both of these ladies have seen each other before twice. I might get hate for saying this. I think this is a main card fight. Not on a pay-per-view or anything, but on a fight. Out, out of this fight night, this is more worthy than Taymor versus debut fighter. This is definitely more worthy than some of those bouts. I would agree with that. Just saying, just saying. But I also, you know I love Avenger. She's the Melissa Etheridge of the women's division. <laughs> and then Lena, man. Who's but, taking a harder beating to get where Lena Landsberg's at? <laughs> I, I'll just say both title contenders. 
Yeah, are they both 145ers? Are we in the 145? No, they both had fought at 145 or 135 or 25. They, but they both came in against champs. Cyborg and Lena against Shevchenko. Both, so, officially. I think Tanya and Lena both came in against Cyborg. I think you're right. So, still, title contenders, yeah. though, right? Compared yeah, to hey, guys that weren't even close. They legitimately are title contenders. Yeah. They both contended for the title. So, <laughs> <laughs> facts are facts. Legality. That's trivial pursuit <laughs> shit. So, Tanya Evinger, um, both of these ladies fought in Invicta twice, actually. First bout ended up being a disqualification or overturned due to an illegal strike uh, for Landsberg, I believe. It ended up being a submission eventually because she landed an E. In the rematch in Invicta, Tanya Eminger ended up submitting Lena Landsberg. And I feel like that's the reminiscent that's going on right now with this fight on why the odds are so skewed for Tanya Eminger being a big favorite. The 19-8 and fighters coming off a two-fight losing streak to Christina Cyborg. Then last, Aspen Ladd over seven months ago. TKO ground and pound. Little early stoppage. And... My girl, Evinger, came off the most brutal injury she's ever had. Oh. We've said it time and time again, like she said this it. This is shit. She ain't the same. At 37 years old, it's not going to get any better. So. And tell everybody that I'm, I know people that listen all the time, they know about it. But to say what a shit injury she had. Right. She had a guy off of the street come in, just any Joe Schmo walk by the gym and say, hey, I want to train MMA or I want to train UFC. And her coach was like, oh, yeah, yeah, come in here, come here. Practice with her. Your pro fighter who makes you money. Bad coaches. Bad. And this guy was like, oh, I want to see something. I've seen John Jones. Oblique kick. Ruined her knee. Tore ligaments. She's talked about... She didn't have good knees beforehand. Horrible. Horrible. So she had a big recovery. Thought she'd never be back. Is back. But that movement is limited. She is a bit of a bruiser on the ground. She has good submissions. Uh, almost a Catrichson style. But what does it for Tanya Avenger is her grindingness, her durability. She can get hit with a kitchen sink and keep moving forward. She's one of the few ladies that went into the third round with Christina Cyborg. Not too many women have. Um, and that's definitely a testament. She did get finished, but hey, that Aspen Ladd one, people are also, yeah, that one was iffy. But here against Lena Landsberg, she's coming in with an 8-4 and four record. She hasn't been able to beat um, Avenger. She last lost to Kunitskaya, seven months ago, but prior to that, she ended up getting a win over Gina Mazzani, who I don't believe is in the UFC anymore, losing to Aspen Ladd as well, beating Lucy Pudilova, no longer in the UFC, and losing again to Steiborg, as we said. Mazzani was um, swinging her Pudilova all over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's some low-level fighters in a division at 35 that's finally getting a little stacked, um, but oof, that this is... Not a pro. I don't see either of these ladies moving up in the rankings after this fight. They both have a lost a lad in there, which is a contender. So I think the line's skewed here. And I don't think you can put that much confidence in Tanya Eminger being a minus 185 favorite against a plus 150 Landsberg. I do think Eminger should get the win, but I think that this is going to be a grinding fight and probably one of the harder fights, if not L's, we see from Tanya Eminger. And I think that not only does the travel potentially add up for her, but Everything I've heard about that, even though she's saying it's good, I remember those first interviews and she was like, nah, it wasn't good. I didn't think I was going to be able to walk, let alone. But Pennington was in that boat, but where's Pennington been as well? Haven't seen her again. Because she had one of those leg injuries that's in this level to me, where she almost lost her leg. Avenger, maybe not that bad, but still. And Lena's got some kicks. Ugh. 
I don't know, Lena was really low caliber here, and you just want to think that Tanya can come in with her experience and kind of get her to be the able ground, to clean this up. Uh, she's a tough woman. She has something to prove. Um, this seems like a fun trip for her as well. Um, I don't know. I just have Evinger for grindability, and also Lena Landsberg has some nasty ass scar tissue. She always ends up extra bloody in her fights. Um, this is purely experience. I think this is a low output fight. I do think we might see some okay transitions here, but more often than not, I think you're going to be aggravated by the end of this fight. You're going to be like, this is sloppy. This is, you know, so, uh, Evinger decision. That's all. That's all I I have to say. I got Evinger decision as well, but I don't like it. I'm not going to be putting it in bets. I think if anything, there's a shot on the, the, we got a live underdog here. And as I'm saying, I think the line's off. You can't put, I see it being... In that almost coin flippish minus 125 for Avenger for reals compared and plus 105. So value on Landsberg here. But as far as DraftKings, 9,000. How much did you? 9,000? For Tanya Avenger. That ain't right. Against 7,200 for right Landsberg. right on that. I wanted to debate you on it and be like, no, I think, but no way. Yeah, no way. No way, no way, no, no way. way, no way. So you can't play Avenger here. Anything, maybe Landsberg if you're looking for spots. But as you're saying, I think this is super low output. Not a lot of takedowns transition. So. Definitely, probably a stay away all the way around. Moving on to the preliminary main event. This is going to be the last fight that we have. And we got another dreaded a d- d- double debut. Unbelievable that Tanya Avenger and Lena Landsberg, former title contenders, aren't even in this spot. That's even though fair enough. we're saying it's going to be sloppy and dirty. But hey, in this fight at 170 pounds, we have Sergi. Kandosko coming in against Rustam Akman. These 70-pounders like the bang, but they're still young fighters. At 27 years old, Sergi's coming in with a 25-5-1 record. Last losing a year ago in a submission triangle choke. Prior to that, also having a submission be his weakest game. He's won some split decisions, fought out of ABC. Last TKO, Rodriguez, who's a 10-2 fighter. Um, Sergi is a fun young fighter who moves forward, likes to hold control of the ring, throws a good three, four punch combination, and actually uh, puts a ton of pressure on guys. I really like what I saw from him, other than that pressure can be his worst enemy. Um, he moves so much, so forward so often that people that are able to get him to the ground where he is a bit lacking in his submission defense or, or even just general wrestling on the ground, um, you can really see him to start uh, get out-controlled. And that's, also, that's because he throws these four-punch, five-punch combinations and all of a sudden they duck under him while he's still throwing the combo. Uh, if you're not able to, if he's able to keep you standing with a okay wizard, uh, he is able to... Uh, overwhelm you with punches. He actually does have uh, a three-punch combination and likes to go for double underhooks, and he'll go for the trips on the outside. Was this a fight that was just added? I think it might have been. I don't know. I think it might have been. Either way, um, with Sergi, when he gets you to the ground, he uses the double underhooks, turns you, and on the ground when he's on top, he's good. He likes to throw a lot of elbows. He's really active. He keeps a lot of that pressure. But when he's off of his back at all, he's uncomfortable, and you can tell in that. So that allows people to just start out control him. Here against Rusman Akmed Akmar. (laughs) 
Ackman, the 6-0 fighter, is fighting out of Sweden. He's a local boy. He's got TKOs over 18-8 and eight fighters, 9-10 and 10 fighters. Who else is he fighting? 11-13, and 3-6. and Semi-padded record because they're all local um, LF-something champions. Either way, I watched a few of his bouts, and he was fighting dads in there for sure. Unarmed puncher, he loops with his shots, very heavy right hand, but it comes from his hip and it can be stifled. His takedown defense is serviceable, but the takedowns I saw shot on Ackman were trash, low reaching, um, not that good. So I do see that actually Sergi has a much better uh, ground attack and avenue. He'll like to clinch you and get you there instead of taking these outside bad shots that I saw against Ackman. Ackman, though, uh, likes to get you out of there early. He likes to blow his load. He gets in your face and tries to bruise you up. So I could see why they make this a preliminary fight because stylistically, these guys are going to move forward and they're going to see who's left standing. They both like to throw uh, heavy punches, but the three to four punch combination Sergi against the one and two punch combination of Ackman, I just see more avenues, but Ackman can load their... Throw that one shot. Both of these guys keep their heads fairly straight up as well. And against their opponents, they didn't have to worry about that. But here in the UFC against other guys, that's going to be uh, big issues. These are both serviceable guys. I see the projected better guy overall being Sergi Longer. I think he has more avenues to win, especially if he ends up on top. Didn't see much of Ackman on the ground. So I'm going to go Sergi TKO round number two, maybe into three. I think that pace, even what I've seen, he's been into the third round before, and he just, he he's a guy who finishes, he breaks your will before he finishes you with punches and then finishes you with punches. Who do you have in this fight, and why? Sergi seems like he's fought, a, or I'm sorry, Ackman seems like he's fought a lot lately, and his, also his last fight was at 185. Um, it was a super short notice fight, so to have to cut that extra weight, it just seems rough uh, to go in. That's like a big reason. Man, I throw my dirty, yeah, greasy yeah, deary yeah. out here. Yeah. He saw the 185-pound dad and said, that guy? I'll fat that guy, and I don't have to cut I'll do weight. It right now. Exactly, because his opponents look back at him. You're like, oh, they're still, they're guys that have trained. He's local too. Exactly, and he's hairy. He oh is my the gosh, most hairy guy. I've Thank ever seen. you. I was about to say it. Like I, I thought he had tramp stamps and tattoos. Nope, that's hair patches. All hair. All hair. All hair. Outside shoulders, he does have a tattoo, but it's. Thick hair. It seems itchy. It seems like a lot. So I just am picking because I feel like, gosh, that seems painful a little bit. Um, I'm going to pick Sergi. I'm nervous. I feel like Achman, I actually, even though he seems like a knockout artist by his record, I see his route to winning would be a submission. Um, I'm going to go... A third round, maybe, if he cut, picks him apart by a thousand cuts, hopefully, Sergi. I'm going to be honest. I, or I'm going to go... With the decision, I'm going to stay far away from this fight. Interesting. I don't know anything about these guys. Sergi's going to end up being 8,800 on DraftKings. The favorite against Ackman, 7,400. Yeah, I think that Sergi's more likely even at 8-8 for a debuter. I don't like to put that money, but out of the two, I see him being the more likely finisher. But Ackman's got power. It's- Are both guys going to punch themselves out? Is this going to be no. boring if it doesn't finish? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think Sergi's been... I think he's... Even when he's tired, I've seen him. His tired fights, he's still moving. Where other guys are like, 
they they quit just because they're like, fuck, just get this guy off of me. So I think he could dig deeper from the fights I saw where, again, Ackman has been fighting buns and he's like, this is easy. Yeah, I can take five fights in a row because I'm knocking these guys out in the first round. I don't even round. have to shave. Yeah. I can just come up with <laughs> this kind of... Exactly. So might be a fun one. Betting-wise, ugh, definitely be careful with your money on that one. If you haven't liked and subscribed... Does Giagos Hadzevic start out the main card? I thought it was Timur. It is Timur Joe. Huh, did we skip one? We might have skipped one here. It was going so good. It was. It was, it was. (laughs) Yeah, so go on. But if you haven't liked and subscribed at Zoll tonight, at Weakneck Baby, at Lesbo and the Bean on Twitter, at LatBMMA on Instagram, be sure to hit that bell, like, and subscribe. You know we're doing that YouTube game up. The growing pains are real. We trying, we trying. So, you know how we like to do. We got to support our sponsors because they support us. And we're always looking for new sponsors. If you know someone out there, you think it's the right fit, sh- shout out, try it out, let us know, throw it out there. And if you need any good soaps, and if you need any good sense, be sure to be on that Lathering Company game on Instagram, on Twitter. You know, their Instagram game is hot. They got some hot photos with some of those new summertime soaps I was seeing. They look very mermaidy to me. I know that that's in right now. Everything's mermaidy, and uh, they also have some good facial detox bars, which are also good matte bars, which you've talked about. Uh, keep, keep your pH right. They got some good smelling stuff. They have stuff for ladies, gents, and people that they are non-binary. <laughs> Jessica Andrade would approve of Lather and Company for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's not. What in the hell? Oh, Interesting. Right. Now it's okay. So be sure to hit that LATB15 code whenever to get that extra 15% off. And again, support the people that support us as you guys are. Hey, we're getting a deal. It's 15% off and you can get that free shipping and handling for orders of $25 or more in the continental United States for now. So that would be that. And make sure you're liking and subscribing us and telling a friend because all this information is free. And um, I know you're sitting com- like probably at 65%, which... If that's the stock market. For this year? For this year on bets, yeah. yeah. Or as far as picks. Yeah. Yep. So I feel like maybe even, you know, some nights obviously up around the 80 and 90% mark. So this could be one of those nights, people. Make that money. There's some underdogs Hashtag tonight. no pressure. Notice I put it on you. <laughs> <laughs> There's some underdogs tonight. And definitely uh, some. We can, we'll, let's all make money together. Let's all definitely do that. You the can make that I, money and you can get yourself... Some latheringcompany.com. Definitely some detox soap if you're rolling around out there. On to the main card out of Stockholm, Sweden. We're going to end up starting this out with a debut fighter coming in against Daniel Tamor, also known as the Lesser Tamor for a reason. But the 145 pounders. I call him Tay Less. (laughs) I like that. I definitely like that. It is Kid Dynamite, though. The 31 year old, I think he's a banker is one of these guys that we always like to talk as shit on because he has a full-time job and kind of does this on the side he is on a three fight losing streak six and three fighter all three of those losses in the ufc he's been beat by dan henry then uh julio arce and chris fishgold submission three months ago that was definitely um better competition than we've seen now that you look at arce and you look at um 
Dan, Dan Henry yeah. even. Those aren't low-level competition. We like to give the lesser Tamor a little bit of heat here, but it's just because he hasn't... He doesn't have the potential of his brother. So there's got to be a worse one. a wall of crazy competition. It, right. it is better competition than we can go really give him credit for in there. But he lends, tends to be a striker just like his brother. Take down the fence, not that good. It's really been the ground game that has been his worst attribute. People being able to get him down. Fishgold especially showed that uh, Tamor's take down the fence is really going to be an issue against any type of wrestler and even his submission defense uh we saw all of his fighters give him trouble whenever they got to the ground with him but as far as kickboxing Dana Taymor that's his sweet spot that's where he's good that's where he lives staying on the outside having an okay jab three punch combinations throws a good calf and uh leg kick has a bit of traps not tons of power but can outpoint and outstrike fighters that allow him to get there and against the debuting Joe Sun Bin Jo, Korean fighter. If I was telling you there's guys fighting taxi cab drivers, Bin Sun Jo is fighting their cousins. <laughs> like they drove in together because he's fighting 0 and 2, 0 and 3, 5 and 5, not or like 3 and 8 type of fighters in there. If there's a padded record I've ever seen, this guy has got it. And the level of competition, um, oh, it was just, yeah, they swung back, but. Really, they were just out-athletic, out-sized, out-not even techniqued, brutalized more than anything. Joe likes to keep it in your face. He likes to throw a actually a fun body shot. He has good knees in there, a good clinch, exits well. He'll throw the elbow off of the ring, or I didn't, I saw him, I believe, in both more of a ring, but on out of that clinch, Joe will throw an elbow or a knee on the way out, which you know we love that here. But as far as his cardio, not that good on the ground. He never really was tested because all of his opponents chose to stay standing. Uh, the few takedowns I, de- I did see, there was an American fighter in there. He did shoot some horrible shots, and Joe was easily able to fight those off. He has an okay wizard, but it's against other karate guys or taekwondo guys. So, definitely this is going to be the biggest step up by far. The lesser Taymor is the biggest step up he's ever had. So, Whatever that means. But I don't see this going to the ground as far as Joe's uh, technique. He's a guy who's going to try to uh, beat you by landing three-punch combinations and being good at it. But he's definitely a guy who looks really good on tape. But I think he's going to get a big... We know these Korean fighters have a cast-iron jaw and they will go out on their shield. So this can turn into a dirty split. (coughs) Excuse me. If it ends up getting there. But I don't think it will. I think, <laughs> I can't even bring myself to say it, but <laughs> I got Timur decision. <clears throat> I'm all mixed up. He's an underdog. <laughs> I got another one. I feel like it's a sign. I'm wondering, I want to say stick with what I know. Go with Timur decision. Maybe the cough is a sign that I should just switch to Joe right now. But I don't know anything about him, and he's not even in the top five in his country. Not that that's anything bad. Um, I also tried to find a picture of him um, showing his eyes, and it was really hard <laughs> to find. <laughs> Every picture was like... <laughs> He's looking down? Yeah, and even they had a hard time finding it when I'm looking at typology.com where we tend to do our picks. So, oh, this is so scary for me to say. I have Tamor decision. I totally agree with that. Um, the actual underdog here is... 
Big Underdog as far as DraftKings, 7,400 for Moore wow. against 8,800 against the debuter. This is a debuter that, sure, he could get the finish, but I think Taymor has proven on his feet that he can eat all of those punches and be serviceable there. And if we don't have to worry about going to the ground, against submission, ground specialists, guys with good takedowns, yeah, I'm betting against Taymor every day. Doesn't matter. And he's kind of gone against uh, a good, decent guys. Yeah. No guys that you would say are a walkthrough at all. All the all guys that are like caliber. So um, even the losses, uh, I think that's even that's good training. Like nothing better than a live drill. Definitely agree with that. So again, Joe's gonna be oh, <laughs> minus one twenty against the plus one forty underdog in Tamor. You got another underdog starting off the main event. You can parlay some of these together, do two. I mean, underdogs, underdogs. There's money to be made on this card. I think on DraftKings for 7-4. I can't. It just feels just wrong. It does feel wrong. But this is a weird fight night. This is a weird fight night. It's at 10 in the morning over here. Yeah. It's definitely one where we're seeing double debuts. Do you think the lesser Tamor, Taylas, could be on your winning card? At 7,400, I think he could because I think he could All score right, you heard it here. 50 to 60 First. points. He's not going to get over 100. I don't think. I don't he... hate what you're saying. We agree. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I just am nervous. All about right, it. beating a dead horse there. So definitely be sure to stick around for other fun ones. At 155 pounds, we're profiling that division again against Cristo Yagos, against Hadzevic, or Demir Hadzevic. Hadzovic has come in and really been fun striker. 13-4, coming back in a win against Machine Health. Getting an L in there against uh, Alan Patrick getting out-wrestled. But really, the 32-year-old fighter has overperformed, I feel like. Tends to be the underdog. Likes to make most of his money striking. But he... Polo Reyes was able to finish as of late. But he really did that with his wrestling. Was able to get him down and didn't even want to stay striking with him. Really showed a ripple to his game. Where in other fights that was something that was fairly hard for him. But Polo Reyes maybe doesn't have the best takedown defense as well. And we really haven't seen him proven on the ground. Christo Yaglis, definitely a submission guy. His second time around in the UFC. He got let go already. Come back to lose to Charles Oliveira. And finally got a win in there against Miroto or Miroto Hirota in a decision. The old Japanese fighter in there just couldn't take it anymore. Giagos being the 29-year-old, also serviceable everywhere. On the ground, he tends to shine the most, has some submissions in there. Striking-wise, has more of a Muay Thai game plan in there as well. Think Hads of it has a slight edge as far as hands and knees and clinch. Um, he's just a little crisper, a little more power. And on the ground, Giagos off of his back and on top is going to be the more dangerous fighter. What I saw, though, is Giagos' uh, entries on his takedowns aren't bad, but they're not that strong. And what I saw lately of Hadzovic, it looks like he's really been tightening up that uh, ground game in general. So if Hadzovic's on top, I feel like he can make this a dirty fight and really start to pull away from it much more. Where Giagos, uh, even though he is a ground guy, he can get stifled at times. I feel like sometimes he just holds off inside position a little too much or that gas tank starts to wear. And he does kind of a cara de zapato where it's like, oh dude, you're X level black belt. But when you're tired, you just can't think in there. So I feel like out of the two, Giagos is more likely where Hadzovic can be that dog tired underdog and still land a switch knee to get a finish in there. So 
It's a little steep, but I do think that Hadzovic is more likely to get the finish out of the two. I had it round number two. I'm moving it to three, giving Giagos a little bit of credit in there, more credit than should be. But at 9,100, the sided minus 220 favorite, I do think it's a little steep for Hadzovic. He has to get a finish to pay that off. And in the third round, it's iffy. I think I'm going to go probably like 30, 40% on Hadzovic. Giagos probably zero. Who do you have in this fight and why? One seven thousand one hundred for Giagos against the nine thousand one hundred Hadzovic. If Alan Patrick kept Hadzovic, or if Hadzovic kept Alan Patrick at bay with submissions, he's gonna have no problem with Giago, uh, Giagos. I like Hadzovic, and I think he is going to pay himself off. I don't think it's going to be by a finish, and I don't think he needs one. He is a guy that really does cut you by a thousand cuts. He lays so many punches and so many significant strikes. That's how he gets a majority of his points that... Even in a normal loss, he's too heavy of a favorite here that he has to win um, to get his points. But I feel like even in a loss, the guy's going to get between 50 and 60 points. Um, I like Hadzovic. I think he's a sneaky dark horse up the division. Uh, he, he makes for fun fights. And I'm really excited for this one. I'm going to have him on a couple of my cards. I like, uh, I like the half C mark for Hadzovic. Um, I have Hadzovic's decision. So, uh, uh, Giagos goes nowhere. Definitely going to be a fun one in there. On to 145 pounds. What are their costs? Uh, 9,100 for Hadzovic against Giagos is 7,100. Okay. Yeah, we have enough underdogs. Don't need a Giagos. Definitely don't need a Giagos there. At 145 pounds, we have returning Makwar Amerikan coming in against Chris Fishgold. Fishgold coming in with an 18-2 record, losing his debut. He was a sacrifice to Calvin Qatar, short notice replacement, came in and last beat Tamor, rear naked choke, he was a favorite. One of these English guys that really has a good wrestling game and submission game. Fish Gold has a chain wrestler who likes to, uh, especially against Tamura, saw an advantage and didn't allow him to uh, get off uh, any of that striking. So Fish Gold can put a game plan together, looks good at 26 years old, takes a bit of damage though. Striking wise, he's definitely a bit weaker and at times um, with some better wrestlers in there, he's not able to get it down as easily and he wears it badly. He cuts, I want to say a little bit easily, but uh, other than that, he's somebody that I, I don't know if he's necessarily a dark horse right now, but he's someone to keep an eye on because he has a, uh, that wrestling-centric type of style with a bit of power in his hands, but really uh, sticks to the game plan. And he has a very he knows what he's good at, and he sticks to those attributes. So I like that when I see that in fighters. He's not he's not mimicking that he's some Muay Thai guy out there. He gets it done. Macwan Americon fourteen and three. Mister Findlin has had a little bit of a break, losing to Arnold Allen, which doesn't look that bad. But as of 11 months ago, lost or won to Jason Knight, given Hick Diaz, his split to, or his paperwork on out of here. Injuries have been an issue for this 30-year-old. Um, he's actually taken a bit of the 11-month break he took off of his last win was because he felt that um, Jason Knight shouldn't have been at his level with striking. And uh, Jason actually made it a much closer fight than it should have been. And Macwan being a lifelong wrestler, been wrestling since five years old, uh, he always fell back on that, but uh, Jason Knight was able to change his point of view a little bit in that fight. So what Machman did for the last six months is became an amateur boxer and ended up huh. fighting six times. He lost two of those fights, won four of them, 
lost them only by decision, but they were against some veteran. I, I think he was throwing numbers like guys with over 60 fights in there. I don't know if they were winning or losing, but he was staying active in a combative sport. And he actually uh, took a good amount of time off from his wrestling because he felt like a lot of his camps were wrestling centric. And he's like, I've been wrestling my whole life. I don't need to keep working on that. Go into that exactly. He'll fall back on that. So he's been really been working on his hands in the, this position. That's what I like to hear. I like when they uh, they well round themselves. Definitely. So Macwan, Mr. Finland himself, has definitely started to do that, and I agree with that. I think that's exactly what he needs to do. So Fishgold usually comes in wanting to get to the ground, and Macwan feels better there, though. If it gets to the ground, the submission, the guy who has a better submission game is Fishgold, by far. Makwan's one of these guys who uses his wrestling for position over submission. His submissions aren't that high profile, so I don't think he submits Fishgold. But if he can keep this striking and Fishgold can't get him down and Makwan has gotten his hands better, there is openings on Fishgold's feet and it needs to be a good anti-wrestler to keep this where he wants it. And I feel like Makwan American County can do that. Give me another dang underdog <laughs> plus 120. Macwan Amirukani, who do you have in this fight and why I got a decision? I actually agree with you, and I can't believe he's the underdog here. To me, the line is off. This is where I'd have to give my number one stamp of the line being off. I think it's an easy that you should go with the guy. You stick with what you know. Um, he doesn't have a padded record at all. At all. He's not... He's in grimy fights. We've seen him take some damage. He seems to have a decent ring IQ. And I like everything I've seen from Fishgold. But, I mean, he beat Daniel Tay more. So it's... Yeah, less. yeah. Losing to Calvin <laughs> Qatar isn't uh, you're the worst supposed to do. You're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, so it was really, and it was short notice. I just think this is a huge step up that for them to be seen eye to eye on real camps. I think uh, what Qatar did, which uh, Qatar's a fundamental wrestler who got good at boxing, same kind of prototype in Americon in this, and I actually looked at the live lines right now. Officially on tap, this is an underdog, but. He is a minus 105 against minus 115 for Fishgold. So, I think the lines will fully change. I think more MMA people, as they come in, hardcores, they will notice that this is a little off. I think your good money is Amir Khani, Amir Khani here. So you think he's going to be the favorite by the time they close? Yep. yep, yep oh, okay. Yep. So he won't be an underdog here officially by that time. But definitely uh interesting bout. We both see decision there. Yeah. So you're going to end up paying 8800 for the slight favorite in Fishgold against 7900 for Americon. But I'm going to be able to do whatever cards I want. I agree. I'm going to be able to do a whole lot of fun cards throughout the entire night. Finally, moving out of those middling divisions, we're going to go up to the big boys at 205 pounds. We are going to profile the light heavyweight division in these last few fights with Jimmy Manoa against Alexander Rackett. Racket coming in, being a dark horse here for Cheney. She's been getting me on that train for a while. She's like, this guy, you don't know this guy. This guy looks so good. <laughs> That's what I said. You're going to really like it. Hey. Hey, this guy, this you fucking guy over this here. This fucking guy over here. <laughs> this motherfucking racket guy. He's pretty good. Racket. <laughs> so he's coming in against Jimmy, the poster boy, Manoa, 17 and 5. A former title contender in there has come off of a 3 5 losing streak, losing all three in a row to Ozdemir, Blakovich, and. Uh, Tiago Santos, which when you look at those all of a sudden, you're like, no bad losses. Like, those are all those beastly are the top guys. of the, decision, the division. The division. 
for sure. But the uh, 40, the 39-year-old poster boy has had injuries, has definitely come back from a few losses, but we've said it time and time again. Big Chinny. He stiffens up hard when he gets hit, but he has good boxing. Jimmy Manoa, serviceable boxing, good takedown defense. Is actually underrated for his takedown defense. Yeah, he's starting to show some of those flaws now, but it's against Jan Blakovitz. It's against high-level competitors in there. And when you get in a striking bout against Santos, we've seen it. Even Blakovitz can't take that. So something that... Uh, Rakic has to do here is not stay striking with him. Rakic came in and is 11-1. He's won all of his fights, last beating Devin Clark, where he was hurt for a second, finally landed a spinning back fist to get in there. But Devin Clark had me shit in my pants for a little bit there. Beat Justin Ledet as well in a sided decision. Also beaten the Gross Barros himself. Um... Using a lot of his wrestling, uh, implementing a bit of his striking, but really Rakic likes to use that heavy double leg takedown to get on top and use that ground and pound. He's fairly active. Uh, when he stays on top of, when he gets on top of you, he'll lace those legs and throw punches to uh, keep you down with position, but it's also with punches. The reason guys don't get up easily is because Rakic is always just peppering them and pestering them. A lot of guys at 205 don't do that, and Rakic does that well. That's why he's a good underdog horse, because when he's in that position, he's never worried about Jimmy Maniwall landing that right hand and putting him out, ever. Jimmy Maniwall's worried about fighting his legs off and eating punches. So for that, I feel like Rakic eventually... Uh, if he knows what's good for him, he does not keep this striking at all. He goes directly for that chain wrestling, gets this to the ground. Manawa's going to be able to defend a few of these takedowns, but after probably the third defense, um, and this could all be in one round, I think Manawa really starts to slow down, and it's a matter of time till he gets to the ground. If Rakic decides to keep this standing, he can be in trouble, but that chin of Manawa, even a hurt Rakic or hurt anybody, can always put him out. I do think the line's off here. I like Rakic in this spot, but I do think that he's getting a little inflated. Minus 225 favorite against Poster Boy. And I have him here winning in round number one as well. I just <laughs> am fading that chin. Um, he's getting a little inflated. <laughs> round one finish. <laughs> it's more me fading uh, Manoa than anything. I could go round number two as well. Manoa's got a good take down the fence, but... He just has too many check marks in the negative right now. Who do you have in this fight and why? I like Rakic and I'm fading Jimmy. So it's all for that. I'm also going to have a KO round one. I think the points are going to pay off. I just, he defends well. He has good ring IQ. He has killer cardio for the division. And the weird thing about the 205, it was a dying division that John Jones cleared out once already. And now there's this new upcoming breeds, the Rakics and the Johnny Walkers. And the it's like all of a sudden an exciting division again. Um, give me Rakic. This just builds esteem. Uh, it's a perfect fight to to set him up for a big name uh you know jimmy's been training with um alex xander gustafson yes which makes me uh where i'm all gus or no gus so racket kale round one i feel like uh if you seen the movie beetlejuice they're like uh Maitland, party two take your hand <laughs> button go to the sixth door that's what i feel like racket kale round one Make them your linchpin. Put them on most of your cards. Oh, linchpin type of talk at 8,900. The plus or minus 210 favorite is coming in against Jimmy Manoa, 7,300. 
Manoa nowhere. Lynchman apparently for Rackick. Probably in that 70% for me, 80% worth of DraftKings money in there. But definitely the higher ceiling. Do you think, though, that could be either one of those fights? That's a finish type of a fight. Yeah, that fight's not going three rounds. Right? You That's an inside the distance make a prop. prop inside the distance. Both show. Definitely. On to the co main event. Party up one. Knockout. Round one. Round one. Co-main, co-main event. We go at 205 pounds. We have former title contender Volkan Ozdemir coming in against Amir Latifi. Amir Latifi. 14 and 6. Latifi's coming off of a loss to Corey Anderson four months ago. Prior to that, winning a couple fights in there, beating OSP, um, losing to Ryan Bader and that knee finish, uh, beating Tyson Pedro, who we have mixed feelings here on that beat. But we know what we get with Latifi. The gorgeous horseman himself is a fire hydrant, throws that huge overhand right, has a mean single leg, very powerful, but does tend to slow down pretty heavily in there. If he jumps on that guillotine, that trollish man will separate some vertebrae, though. He is just a tank. Absolute tank. On that 5'8", 205 type of scale. But in this fight against Ozdemir, uh, it's definitely a fight that he's going to be tested everywhere because Ozdemir has serviceable takedown defense. He can eat a hard shot. You don't... That, oh, Bulkin Ozdemir... Did not get an easy route. I know he has overperformed and had title shots and come off of a couple losses three in a row here. But they're against the highest level competition. And he started out being Anthony Rumble Johnson's only training partner that was able to stick around. That's tough as shit. Yeah. <laughs> Out of anybody else, he knew Anthony Johnson eventually by the time he'll even say, I wasn't beating Anthony Johnson, but he wasn't beating me either. When we got there, he was knocking me around. So, Ozdemir's put in the time. He is lost again three in a row, but it's against Anthony Smith in a submission. Uh, Polo Reyes in a controversial split decision. Polo Reyes was a 600 favorite, and by the skin of his teeth won that split decision. A lot of people thought he lost. Losing to Daniel Cormier. A lot, lot of us definitely thought that. But Ozdemir... Um, Really showing that on the ground is where he has his vulnerabilities. He can just be submitted. And even in that um, Anthony Smith fight, he was hurt before that submission came about. And Latifi can do that, uh, but he has to get him to the ground first. And I feel like Ozdemir's takedown defense against single legs is actually pretty serviceable. Uh, it depends where it stays because striking-wise, no timer. Cousin, no, it's, is it no time now? It's no time now. No time. <laughs> It's cousin. a better striker. I don't know. I don't it used to be cousin. It, it yeah, used to it be used cousin. To be. Um, he's a better striker here. Throws a mean uppercut, but his gas tank as well has proven to be a little bit on the weak side. And uh, even when he gets a little tired, he just really wears it negatively in there. But Latifi's one has one of these rules that we have against Tamor and a bunch of other guys, which I guess I'm breaking by following Tamor because he's a part timer. Latifi was just put into office, I believe, a fight or two ago where he's a representative out of wherever in Sweden or wherever he's... But he's a part-time politician. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's also one of these part-timers as well. But the money's been coming in on Latifi. Uh, opened up as a minus 170 favorite for Ozdemir. It's now minus 110 for Ozdemir, plus 105 for Latifi. So more money coming in on Latifi, but I see a decision. I think that Ozdemir can keep this where he wants to, which is striking-wise, and I think he peppers him a little bit more. Um... The more dangerous finisher, I want to say, is Latifi, but I think this turns into a dirty 
split type of a fight. Give me Ozdemir, the slight favorite now. The money's been coming in on the TV. See how this one ends up. I'm not Does too it confident. Sway you at all if Latifi's the homegrown guy? That uh, Sweden in Stockholm. That's a great point, and that's a reason money's probably been coming in too. If this turns into a dirty split, we usually favor the local guy. And am I naive, or does Latifi have a similar game to, like, a Daniel Cormier? Is he just going to swing, or is he going to get inside and try to take you down? He, he just swings. He kind of has an ugly crown game. He just swings, but he does try to get on top of you out of the two fighters. Ugh, I just feel like Ozdemir has such a sketchy ground game. Yep, it's true. Uh, I do think he beat Dominic Reyes. He kind of made us realize, like, oh, we need to pump our brakes on Dominic Reyes. Uh, Anthony Smith... I think he has an underrated ground game, which I'll talk about later on. And then Daniel Cormier, the obvs of the loss. Oh, Serkinov. Gosh, I could see it. I'm going to go. I do. Th I see it being close, too, and everything in me wants me to lean toward Ozdemir, but I just can see Lativi kind of squeaking Being the local favorite. Out. I agree. I see a dirty-ass split, and this guy opened up as a two-to-one favorite, essentially, and has now been bet down because... Sweden's going to Swede. Oh, I'm going to go with Latifi submission. Woo! Round number three. Woo! Round number two, because Latifi's going to gas like two? a He gasses two. as well. That's what I'm saying. That's why I see decision as well. I see these guys just being like, I'm tired. You two, let's shake hands oh, five times. I just feel like I could see, like, a Kimura. I could see a... a Neck crank, yep. like leaning backward, little Latifi's body all leaned we backward. We did, and OSP, we saw him put OSP down I, in Orlando. I could see, yeah, I'm a Latifi submission round two. It feels weird. Feels weird. I don't know. I'm gonna play both guys. I'm gonna play both. How much are they? They are eight thousand four hundred for the favorite Ozdemir against seven thousand eight hundred for Latifi. I agree. I think you can split these guys up. I don't know. I can't. One or the I other. I can't be definitive here. It yeah, just feels like one. I could go back and forth. I want to see weigh-ins. I want to see everything leading up to it. I want to see what direction Ozdemir's nose is facing. So, yeah, we'll see. True that. True that. To the main event we go. Finally, we got there. 205 pounds. A profiled fight. The local favorite, Alexander, former title contender, Gustafsson, coming in against... Anthony Smith, also former title contender, coming off of his loss to Johnny Bones Jones, the fight card that was moved from one state to the other. Uh, Anthony Smith is taking a pretty short turnaround. Two months ago, getting a unanimous decision victory. Uh, he got fairly beat up in there. A lot of people are criticizing him for turning around and moving and going all the way across the country, but he's just like his point of view. Anthony Smith's here with his 31. Uh, and 14 record. A spotty record in the UFC, 185er, who's now moved up to 205 and done better, or the best he's can, but he, that little run he had was against Rashad Evans, Shogun Hua, and Volkan Ozdemir in a comeback win where he was losing that fight until that submission finally came about. But before that, his other marquee win was Hector Lombard, 185er, who also has issues. So, Anthony Smith likes to use his Muay Thai in there. Good clinch. He's got a weak ground game. I know he's heavy on top and he has good submissions and good triangles, but he can get Isn't taken he a black down. Is he belt in jiu-jitsu? I don't know about that. I can't, I can't confirm that. I don't think he is, but he's, a, he's good. He has a great rear naked choke, and he's strong. He can really flatten guys out in there. But 
he doesn't have a good takedown. He hasn't doesn't have a good double leg. The way he was able to submit Ozdemir was he hurt him with strikes and then jumped yeah. around the back. So if he can't directly take you down, it, there needs to be another way. And striking-wise, I feel like he can get out boxed up here. Uh, Alexander Gustafson, 18-5, and five, is a guy who's coming off of a loss to John Bones Jones as well, TKO four months ago, uh, beating... Jan Blockowitz beating Glover Teixeira, only losing to JBJ or Daniel Cormier and who was it? Anthony Johnson in that uppercut. So only the top of the echelon, only the top. If Daniel Cormier and John Jones aren't in this division, I feel like it's Alexander Gustafsson who wins it. He lost early in his career against uh, Alex Davis. No, Phil Davis ended up going to California and training at Alliance for years until he learned everything he needed to and is now back in Sweden. Um, but he's one of these guys who realized his wrestling wasn't to par, went to there and is actually a great wrestler. He has a mean double leg, single leg entry as well. Great takedown defense, good teep. One of the best jabs in the game, especially at 205. Gus's jab is on point, follows it up with a straight right. That hurts all sorts of people. He'll throw even a spinning... Uh, He'll kick in there, which hurts a lot to the body. And on the ground, he said it time and time again, and it's been proven. Even Daniel Cormier has said, like, it's hard to hold uh, Gustafson down. Daniel Cormier has said, hey, I'll fight anybody else but Alexander Gustafson. His own words. He's just like, that was a tough fight. Way harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I don't feel like giving that guy a shot anymore. If it's John Bones Jones, sure, but I don't. Gus is just, he had no thought of it anymore. It wasn't worth the paycheck. Exactly. Gus is a tough, tough fight. And again, if JBJ isn't there, I think Gus wins this. I don't see too many other people beating Gustafson. Anthony Smith being one of those. I feel like the boxing is just so much better for Gus. Better angles. Um, what I didn't like for Gus, because I do got to take something away, he's a bit of a turn and runner. And in that turning and running, uh, in the Teixeira fight... Teixeira capitalized on that because he once noticed that turn and run and he cut off the cage well and threw a double hook, which Anthony Smith can throw well, double left hook, which landed in Hurt Gustafson. And if we see that, other people see that. So that's the critique on Gus is when he turn and runs that way, somebody who does get him there, uh, he's got to be just really, really careful because he exits that hand straight down. I was just going to say, he keeps his hands so exactly. low. Even coming forward where he does, like, feints and stuff, he, his hands are just so low. And with a guy with Anthony Smith's power, you can't keep your hands that low. Um, the cardio here you give to Gus? I give it to Gus by far. By far. He should have it. I don't like the one fight. Like, that's all he's had in the last two years of time is the one time against John Jones. There's something about it that makes me feel like he's getting out of bed just for a paycheck. And they're like, hey, Gus, and then they're going to do this. I almost could say he could retire. He could retire after this because he's at his hometown. He's a huge name. He did not look good in there. And I know that was John Jones, you guys, but... He's, he fought four months ago. Yeah, it hasn't been that long. I know. He didn't look good in there. Yeah. I know it was just four but months ago. It was, That's exactly but, what I said. But, but, but uh, with that, uh, John Jones the first time was coked out, partied out, and actually gave him the real John Jones that first time. I fight. totally agree. But how long ago was that? Five years ago? Yeah, five, six years it's, ago. It can't even be counted. Yeah. What Anthony Smith's been doing, and I also think mentally for some reason he couldn't pull the trigger with John that he's going to be able to with Gus. Anthony Smith is the what I know now. 
Um, Gus has just been out of there too long, and I don't think he looked that great. It impressed me that uh, Anthony Smith went all the, the whole distance, so it lets me think that Gus isn't going to hurt Anthony Smith if John Jones couldn't. I also think if John Jones isn't really getting him down anywhere, then neither is Alexander Gustafsson. So I kind of like Anthony Smith here. I think it's weird. The decision part is weird. I want to say Smith decision, but no way if it goes to decision, of course it's going to be Gus. Um, so I got to go with knockout, which, oh, that, that sounds crazy to me. That sounds crazy. Knockout to Gus. Like, wow. What round? Yeah. I'm going to go with round four. Wow. I actually have knockout Alexander Gustafsson, round number four. So we're exactly split. I feel like we split on a whole lot of fights. We did split on a whole lot of fights. It's going to be a fun weekend, to say the least. Remember, this is going to be an early one, so be sure to stick around. Is um, there anything that you felt like was the bandit's bonus definitively um, right now that we agreed on? It's either Tamor. Americani. Americani. I feel like there was an early one. Didn't we go with the opposite? Devin Clark's the heavy favorite. We both have racket or... No. No. Is it Stevie Ray? Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray. Yeah. It's Stevie Ray. Yeah, I have Clark as well. Yeah, we got plenty of them. Either way, though, real quick on DraftKings, you're going to end up paying $9,300 for the favorite Alexander Gustafson against $6,900 for... Anthony Smith minus one six or minus two sixty five for Gustafson against plus two oh five the underdog. Smith, how much do you think you're gonna play that? I'm gonna play both, honestly. Probably I agree. Five rounder? Yeah. Not on ever on the same card. I don't You're not gonna stack I don't this. think it no, I don't I'm not gonna stack it, but I could see my guy I could see myself playing both guys because I can afford who I want. I could see myself playing both I'm gonna guys. probably go fifty Gustafson, sixty percent Gustafson, twenty percent. Uh, Smith to hedge my bet on that one because I do see finish potential there as well. Yeah. A lot of output for both guys. I see 30 Gus, 40 Smith. Ooh, so scary. So scary. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for following along. Do we have anything else, Dad? Nothing else. Yeah, see you soon. Love you.